1: And welcome back, everybody, to episode 48 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne Forkully, not here today, but I have Dom Real from Real Talk (laughs) in his amazing heart foundation glasses, as you can see, um, here to fill in. Uh, We have a special episode on tap here for you uh, from the Blue Shirt Banter. Uh, We have Adam Herman again from blue shirt banter join us to give us some uh insight on the new york rangers and their start to the season alexi Lafreniere, uh you know temi panarin and all the young studs they have in there in the big apple adam how are you doing today
2: yeah i'm doing pretty well i think i don't think anyone's doing great right now but uh, you know it's, <laughs> it's all right I'm, it could be worse right i hope
1: yeah it, absolutely uh, man i know um Again, it's it, it has been a very unique year and a very unique start to a new year. But yeah, I don't think everybody's doing great on the you know, but you know, it, things could be a hell of a lot worse. Uh, but thanks again for coming on with us, man. You know, we're here definitely to talk about the Rangers. Obviously, they played the Sabres last night in a three-two loss where we saw Jack Eichel finally get his first tuck of the season. Uh, get that big, big uh, 500-pound gorilla off his shoulder, off his back. You know, get that first one of the season. But you know, obviously, you guys have been off to a little bit of a slow start here. Um, I personally, you know, kind of put the, put you guys in the top four of the division because I think built around speed and uh, just. You know, you know, you're kind of putting a lot of pressure on your on young goaltending duo. I th- I saw I saw there's like a ton of talent there, and I thought you guys were really surprised. I still think you'll will, you'll will, you will still surprise people, but again, every game kind of counts here in this Mass Mutual East Division. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, with a condensed schedule, 56 game season, you know every point matters, and even the loser points, you don't want to give up loser points, and um it's, you know, it, it, with us too, every point, every point matters. And, you know, to, to get a victory for us last night was huge. We have tomorrow night again. Um, I think we're not really going to see much change in our lineup, except maybe, maybe if he's healthy, we'll see Carter Hutton in that. But, you know, I I have a lot of faith that the Rangers will find a way to turn this around, you know, you know, hopefully in the short term and uh, just, you know, your thoughts on the start of the season, the slow start and, you know, you know, what will it take to really kind of turn this around and have they really met your expectations so far?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it was tough to set expectations for this season just because there were so many questions even beyond kind of the short season and the division alignments and whatever, but just because like it's such a young team with so many young players that it's hard to project what exactly they'd be able to provide this season um so i don't think i think it was kind of hard to give like a tangible prediction of like where they'd finish in the standings and and such because i could see them making the playoffs and and doing making noise in the first round and i could also see them you know bottoming out as a you know a a lottery team just depending on kind of which way the wind blew with a lot of the young players um you know but the irony of that is that i think you know so far it's been the veterans who have let down the young players you know in a lot of respects um you know, I, they've gotten surprising uh, contributions from at least this early from Keontre Miller, and um, you know, uh, from Phil he, Philip Heedle, and you know, Adam Fox has been great. Ryan, I been Solid. It's been it's been a, it's been a lot of the first and second year players that have been kind of carrying the players that were really expected to to you know do the heavy lifting so far. Um, you know, that being said, I I think things are they've I think they've played a lot better than the record indicates, and I, I think things aren't nearly as bad. As I think a lot of fans might might perceive it right now, um, you know I, I, I think you know they did a lot of things well in not against Buffalo certainly that was bad but in prior prior three or four games I think I think they played a lot better than the scoreboard would have indicated and I think um, you know with some better goaltending on their end and I think with some you know lesser goaltending from you know Mackenzie Blackwood and you know so I, I I think they could easily have a few more wins. Um, to, to the tally, I, I think, you know, that being said, perception is reality, you know, and it's now, you know, what a four, four or five game losing streak. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter how well they played, if it gets in their heads now, especially after that poor performance against Buffalo, if that be, you know, that's a pivotal moment where it could easily go downhill from there. Um, you know, just because now the losses are accumulated and, and against Buffalo, it certainly showed that kind of, um, they, they weren't playing with confidence and, and they weren't playing with energy and they weren't um, aggressive and such. So, you know, I think that's a pivotal moment where they have to say, like, all right, like this stops now, like we can't control certain balances and, and, and such, but we can control how we're going to play. And if we play the right way, the bounces will eventually um, swing in our direction. Um, so, you know, I, I think they've played better, but that won't matter much if it leads to them playing as they did against Buffalo.
3: Uh, I, I, this is a question that I have. I don't know if you have followed Panarin before he was in, I've been following Panarin since he was in Russia, just because he, I'm big into the KHL Um, and Panarin. I mean, his hands are so ridiculous. So I've always just been drawn to him. One thing I've always noticed about him and I've always, every sports writer that's covered him, whether it's here in New York or when he was in Columbus or even in Chicago, is he really doesn't turn it on in training camp. Do you think part of the top six being starting slow right now in, in what we have going on here is that Panarin just hasn't really turned it up yet. And he's just not used to going hard yet. Or do do, I've a couple of times, it's almost looked like he's not interested. I don't know if it's because he's frustrated with the season, the way things are going in general, or do you think there's just nothing to be concerned about there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the short training camp has a lot to do with it, um, just because it's it's been a quick, you know, turnaround from sitting around for, for months to playing games that matter. Um, you know, I, I think there's probably some, you know, I don't think he's playing lazy or anything, but I, there's probably some You know the losses it affects you these players are humans like anyone else and even the best ones and the most strong-willed ones you know it's going to affect them it's going to affect their play um you know and that happens to you know everyone it's happened to crosby it's happened to ovechkin it's going to happen the question is you know does it linger um or you know is is quinn going to make his point is he going to start to you know you know win the battles because if you look at his point totals right now they're not amazing but i think he's still hovering down point per game um right. you know it's more about like you know last season it was like when he you know when he lost the puck in the offensive zone he immediately was going going to work to win it back and get those second and third kind of cycles of possession um you know against buffalo last night it was just kind of like the rangers tried something in the offensive zone and they lost the puck and it's just kind of heads dropped and that was it and you know that's that's kind of the unacceptable part of it um i don't think there's really any greater concern here in terms of like oh like is you know is quinn losing the room or are the players giving up you know i think the ebbs and flows of a you know a hockey season and even a hockey career like it, it's just it's gonna happen um it's gotta stop make no doubt about it but um i don't i'm not sitting here I, you got it you just have to trust that you know the unique circumstances plus you know when you know small training camp and just kind of a small sample of it you have to trust that your top players are going to they're going to figure it out like Mika Zibanejad is going to figure it out Artemi Panarin's going to figure it out um you know that's the goaltenders are going to figure it out um so that's not so much the concern I think right now you got to trust that they're going to get it together um, so I'm not as concerned as the record might indicate, and how even those guys have played the last few games.
1: Yeah. It, still, it still makes you nervous, though, because, you know, again, condensed schedule, shortened season. Again, there's very little room. Yeah. And you want them to, you know, in the short, you know, definitely figure it out sooner rather than later. But I I, I truly do believe that this roster that you guys have right now, obviously there's some things that can improve, you know, maybe some holes that need to be filled. But I do think with the speed and skill that you have right now, you guys definitely can contend for a top four spot in this in this division.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, that's the problem, right, is that there's, it's a 56 game, game season. Like there's a lot, and especially in this tough division, like there's little margin for error in an 82 game season. Maybe you could say, all right, like, you know, five, five bad games or so, or not even five bad games, but, you know, five games where you're not telling at the points that you need, you can maybe, um deal with that, you know, absorb that loss, but with such a short season, like who now, now they've got to do a lot of winning, um, to kind of get back you know at like the treading water level with the rest of the pack so you know that's the unfortunate side of it is that at least in terms of this season there aren't many moral victories in terms of you know learning for future for future games and ending up in the place you want to be like they quickly have to start tallying up points um that being said this was never supposed to be kind of like a a win now season for the rangers you know they're building towards something greater here They're this is a long-term vision um so in some respects the clock's ticking and it's time to you know start telling up points but in other respects like if if it doesn't work out in that regard i don't think management's going to be sitting you know in a meeting at the end of the season saying like you know how did this how did this not work out and and uh you know in a way that like we need to start you know changing everything and you know, this is unacceptable. Um, so in some respects, yeah, like, you know, they got to start tying up points if they want to compete this season. Um, but I don't think this changes the Rangers grand view of like the build that they're trying to create and like the, the plan they have for winning a cup in, in, you know, four years.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at it too, like, I guess when, when I think about the the Buffalo Bills is that the year we actually broke the drought, the big playoff drought, is we weren't really expected to be a playoff team that year. We kind of lucked into a playoff spot. Thank God for Andy Dalton throwing a touchdown pass later that night that got what eventually got us in. But you know, it's for, you know that that's the way I see it. Is you if you're you're I think you're good enough to be there. But if you're not, it's not a, a dramatic disappointment because you know there's so much more light at you know so much more promise at the at, at the end of the tunnel or however you want to say it. Um, with how young and talented this team is. And then obviously you look into the lottery pick of Lafreniere, you know, again, best case scenario as a Buffalo fan, considering the teams that were there mm-hmm. hoping to win that lottery, you guys win it and that, of yeah. course, in your division the, the, the very next year. Um, but yeah, so definitely. I think, I think there's definitely opportunity there for you guys to get out of this, get out of this hole and, you know, compete for a top yeah. spot here.
3: I, is Quinn the guy to get us there? I'm not sure, but, I, I don't yep. think he's done a bad. The thing I like about Quinn is he's kind of holding guys accountable where it's almost like, I don't know if you're a baseball guy. I'm a Mets fan. Um, Terry Collins, the year the Mets went to the world series. It didn't matter who you were. If you were hitting, you played, if you were playing yeah. hard and played Quinn, if you play hard, you're scoring goals, you play. If you're throwing temper tantrums and slamming the penalty box board like Tony D'Angelo, you're not playing. And <laughs> I think that is almost more important than what you have to work with is how you handle it. And I think Quinn's doing, I'm not going to say he's doing a great job. I'll say he's doing a, a par job. He's doing fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I would say at minimum, I don't think it's been so bad that like there's serious legitimacy to calling for his job. And if you're someone who just like, you know, decided whether it was last season or if you came into this season, think like skeptical of him for the job, you know, that's one thing, but like, I don't think anything that's happened in these first few games has Cha- should be reason to change your opinion one way or the other of him if you didn't come into the season thinking he you know he wasn't the guy for the job it it shouldn't you shouldn't suddenly start thinking that now because of what has really been just kind of this last game against buffalo and the first game against the islanders where they're only two really poor showings
3: yeah i, I that's that's kind of how i like the devils are obviously better than most people i mean they got mckenzie Well, they had mckenzie blackwood in the crease which yeah. that alone is <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like that's unbelievable. And then the Penguins, we should have won that game, but still, I, yeah, again I mean, there's a learning curve when you're Yeah. You have kids, you have children, you have a, a juniors team out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think if Shisterkin and Jordan, you know, Jor- play as they as they you know up to their abilities, um, they have at least two, maybe three or four wins from from that those like you know, that string of games. Um sure. you know, and and you know. I don't think anyone's saying, you know, like, oh, no, like, we got to fix the goaltending. Like, no, no, no. Like, two young goalies, you know, who haven't played in 10 months and, you know, had no training camp, like, Dwayne, you know, like, you need reps to get, in you know, in a groove as a goaltender. You can't just, you know, you need, that's true for any position, but way more so for a goalie, which is, you know, a singular position where it all comes on you. And, you know, it's very technical, you know, so, I, you know, they're going to, the goalies are going to figure it out. You're not worried about that. And so, you know, I think if, you know, a few goalie, you know, a few goalie performances, you know, in the Rangers' favor, you know, whether it's Blackwood not playing out of his mind, whether it's, you know, Shesterick and Georgiev, you know, having good games, you know, and the record looks very different right now.
3: Yeah. And I think that both of we're, we're fortunate where we have the goaltenders that we do right now. Like I'm a little more, I don't, I don't want to say I'm not comfortable when Chesty's in the crease. I just know what Georgie can do more because he's done it more often. I mean, Chesty's got what? 15 professional games under his belt besides KHL. I mean, again, he's regardless of his age, he's a child. So it's.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, you know, he'll, he'll get there. I'm not, particularly concerned about you know is he gonna figure it out like goalies are you know and always enigmatic but um i don't think that's the problem i don't even think the the chicken littles in in new york are concerned i don't think that's where they're directing their angst right now you know that's that's gonna be fine and so you know once that corrects itself if the team plays as it did for four out of six games this season you know uh, i'm not saying that's you know they're contending for a cup with that but I don't think anyone's calling for Quinn's job right now or, you know, saying like, you know, what's, you know, what's the state of the franchise? You know, what's the problem?
3: Right. How great you're because you're obviously you're right about him. You're obviously a Rangers fan, right? So, Uh, yeah, that's that's a loaded question. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely
2: (laughs) very in tune with what's happening with the Rangers.
3: How uh... passionate about that. Yeah. Is it not crazy that we no longer have Henelik Lundqvist and we're still comfortable with the goaltending situation? (laughs) It's, it's,
1: it's it's nuts. (laughs) Unlike Buffalo. We lost, we haven't been able to figure things out since, since Ryan Miller left town.
2: Yeah, it's, yeah, that's (laughs) that, but like, exactly. And I don't even think Buffalo's alone in that kind of situation, um, you know, the Devils thought they had their answer in Corey Schneider once Brodeur left and, you know, he had a few good seasons, but like, it's just, you know, it's easy to take for granted the fact that the Rangers replaced, you know, at worst a top five goaltender in NHL history and just kind of replaced it with, you know, maybe the best goalie prospect in the world in Um, not to mention, you know, Georgiev. And so, yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's definitely kind of bizarre just because Henrik is larger than life, you know? Um,
1: it's a shame not just
2: replacing a good goalie, but
1: it's a it's a shame that yeah, happened with him too. I was Ugh. so so, you know, just as a hockey fan, I was so like sad to see that you know he had to yeah. you, know, you know end his season before it could even get started. You know, obviously with the world and the way it is right now with COVID, you know, it's 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 a really sad thing. But you have to put your health first and foremost, your family first and foremost. So I get it. I hope he I hope he gets yeah. another chance, another crack at it, no matter what team it's with. But that was that was extremely sad to see. Um for sure.
3: Well, the thing that I, like I said, I really appreciate about Lafreniere is not only does he not look lost out there, but he's in the middle of everything. Like somebody, somebody has a late hit or a high stick, or there's a little scrum in front of the net and he's, he's putting himself in the position to be a guy that's not shying away from whether it's contact or whether it's, Uh, a conflict, anything like he's establishing an ability to be somewhat of a leader. And I think that's almost as impressive as anything else he's done. Like he he doesn't look lost, which is important. And people might think when you say, Oh, he doesn't look lost. That's not like a big deal. No, that is a big deal. I mean, he's again, I've said it before. He's a child. And he went from juniors directly to the NHL. He had no adjustment period. So I think that he's got that to build on, combined with his actual skill when he figures it out, I think he has the ability to really go places.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I think with him, uh, you yeah, know, like you said, I'm not looking at him playing and thinking like, oh, he's a step behind the play; he can't keep up with going what's going on in the NHL level. He's you know blowing defensive assignments and things. I, I think it's more that you know the level of play has changed, and with that, you know, a lot of things that he Worked at the junior level isn't going to work at the NHL level, um, and you know, like what I mean by that is that you know a lot of defending at the junior level is individual, one v one, and such. Whereas systems are a lot more perfected at the NHL level. Even the worst teams, even teams that look lost in the beginning of the season, they just understand the systems better and they they make fewer mistakes. They're always in position. Um, and also, you know, they, they've seen this before. They've seen the things that he can do, not even just from him, but, you know, they've, they've gone up against a Sidney Crosby, you know, against the Malkin. And, you know, they know what tricks a player like him can have up his sleeve, and they're not taken aback by it in the way a junior-level player might be. Um, so I think he's, you know, he, he's tried to do too much, almost at some points, where, you know, he's tried to make, like, a creative pass or, you know, beat a guy one-on-one that in a way that worked at the junior level, that won't at the NHL level um which is fine because you know he's such a smart player and um i think you know he doesn't have any really great individual abilities in terms of his skating or his shot or anything like his gift is just being so good at a lot of things and just how his brain works um so i think for him it's just a lot of trial and error in these early games seeing like what works at the NHL level what doesn't work you know how can i layer my abilities in a way that can be effective against Um, five man units, you know, of defensive units and, and, and such. Um, So, you know, I I think he's going to figure it out. I'm not particularly concerned about that. Um, It's just going to, I think maybe take a bit more time than we expected, but you know, he's, he's going to figure out, you know, once he, you know, makes starts, he's starting already to make simple plays, you know, last night he had a few good plays where he made the pass off the far pad to create rebound plays where he wasn't even necessarily shooting to score. And I think, you know, he's going to establish that baseline uh, of, you know, fundamental plays at the NHL level. And once he's, once he does that, he's going to back off defenders a bit and create the space for him to make those more complex plays. So it's going to come, it's just, it's going to take a bit of time, but he certainly does not look by any means like someone who's just, you know, beyond his depth at the NHL level.
3: Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's not one of the guys that I'm worried about like at all i but for the most part the most of the youth i'm not really worried about any of them i think the only person is there a ranger right now that you're worried about it like who is, who named, is it and
1: tony d'angelo or well just, no
3: not even tony d'angelo i just just player wise i was gonna say is there a ranger that you're concerned about and who is it and why is it brett howden
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i mean I'm, I'm worried about him sure you know but i also think like the rangers if it doesn't work out and i think this is kind of even the rangers at this point realize like this is make or break year for him right Um, right you know uh so uh, yeah there's worry there for sure but they at the end of the day they can cut their losses if they need to um my worry is really with jacob truba um because they can't cut their losses with him he's on a long-term contract with a no movement clause and it's a very expensive contract where even if he played like a four million dollar defenseman he's only providing half the value of his contract so he has a long way to go to justify getting the ballpark of justifying his money um i think he's played better this season than he did last season but um you know being even a capable number four defenseman wouldn't be enough For what they're paying, and given the cap constraints, and given you know, they just gave Crowder an extension, you got Buchnevich extension coming up, they have all these young kids who are going to need extensions in the next few years. Um, that's and there's just really no easy way out of that contract. Um, yeah, so I think that's the concerning one for sure, just in terms of not just like how he's playing, but what him playing, so uh, you know, at a subpar level means for the rest of the roster builds.
3: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that, too, because we're, like you brought up, we're literally paying Chris Kreider to be a Ranger for the rest of his life, essentially. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. you, like you said, he's playing better this year, but how good Adam Fox was last year, he was so good that we didn't realize how bad Jacob Trouba was. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's
2: covered it's, up for a and That's you know he's going to need an extension, you know, and it's, it's tough to give him what he deserves when you're already paying someone to be not just a number one defenseman, but you're paying him to be like one of the top 10 defensemen in the league.
3: Right. Right. um, Yes.
2: To play, to play play less minutes than, than Fox, which, you know, it's, it's, it's going to create a problem. I think that's a problem for, you know, tomorrow as opposed to today, but nonetheless, it's one the Rangers kind of have to consider right now because um, eventually it will become an untenable situation. Um, So I would say, in terms of kind of the greater impact on the team, he's the one that you have to be most concerned about.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, I'm sure Dwayne has a comment on people with too big a contract. You know, so we
1: know all about <laughs> that in Buffalo, you know, with the Kyle Ocposo deal that, you know, has really kind of put us in a really cap hell here, here in the seven, one, six. And um, you have the Jeff Skinner contract, which, you know, you know, even though he's no longer the GM, I don't hate Jason Botterill for the Jeff Skinner contract because damned if you do damned, if you don't, the guy had a career season scoring 40 goals, the fan base was going to nail you to the cross, no matter what you did there, whether you signed them or you didn't, you don't sign them. They're like, how could you let a guy like Jeff Skinner, 40 goals score with Jack walk away. If you do sign him, I can't believe you just paid Jeff Skinner $9 million a season. Now, the problem <laughs> is, now the problem is he's playing on your fourth line, even though he's over, he's playing, like an elite like an elite goal scorer, he just can't find the back of the net because he's not playing with players that complement his skill set. Um yeah. I, I get I, like, I get his thinking. You want to spread out the talent. You want to go with what works, but the guy is like you know, he's a goal scorer. That's what he does. His his game isn't necessary to play defensive minded hockey. He's there to score goals. And putting putting him on the fourth line to play 10, 11 minutes a night, you're not going to get him to his full capability playing down there with Riley Sheehan or Curtis Lazar or, you know, whoever it is happens to be that night. It's just not going to happen. And trust me, I get it. Yeah.
2: I think, I think also in their situation, you know, like when, you know, if, if David Quinn benches a veteran right now in the Rangers or, or whatever it is, or moves him down the lineup to like make a point, like he has the room to do so just in terms of, you know, like, the rangers are still in that mode where it's just like we're building a culture we're trying to you know get players going long term this is for a, you know we have a future end date in sight <laughs> the sabers don't really have much runway left in terms of getting getting our together before you know jack eichel sam reinhardt whoever else decide like they want out so you know putting jeff skinner on the fourth line to teach him a lesson right now like i to some like of course you can't like you have to have some accountability but like at some point, like you gotta, you gotta put all your all hands on deck and just kind of yeah. go for it, just because like you're paying him to be one of those key players, and like if he's not gonna do it, like like you said, it's not gonna be Curtis Lazar that steps up in his place and then no. you know saves the season for them, you know. So <laughs> I think I think you know if you wanted to put him on the fourth line for like one game, two games, like to make your point, fine. But, Like you gotta like you're going down, you gotta go down with the shit. You know, it's at some expensive point. You just fourth line.
1: It yeah, deal. Yeah. Like mo- normally. <laughs> Normally, like fourth lines, cum- cumulatively are worth nine million. Like, no, you have one player down there that's worth nine million, along with a guy that's getting paid, you know, seven hundred thousand, you know, thousand dollars, eight hundred thousand dollars. It's like, it's insanity to me. Like, you know, that's your checking line. Yeah. You know, granted, Jeff Skinner does play with an edge, but he's there to score goals. Like, what are you doing, Ralph? Come on, you're killing me. Like. like. Uh, There's so much, so many goals, be honest to God, in my opinion, that are being left off the board, having him on your fourth line. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's-
3: I mean, yeah, you got enough goals that you're missing right now. It- Taylor Hall's got more pipes than a Home Depot. He's hitting the post every four oh, seconds.
1: Dude, you only get me started. Sh- shootouts, power plays. Like, like The guy just hits the iron like it's his, like, legitimate, like it's his job. It's driving me insane. He's doing everything right but putting the puck in the net. Like, everything right. It just—it's it, discouraging to say the least, and you see that line when they step on the ice. They dominate in five-on-five five play. You know the other team doesn't get get the puck out of their defensive zone when they're on the ice, and it's—it's it's a breath of fresh air to see. But you know you want to start finally start to see them bury that chances. And you brought up Sam Reinhardt earlier. That's a guy too. You know everybody loves Sam Reinhart, but you know I'm just I am on I'm I'm on the I'm on the fence with him because why does him and Jack have to be attached to the hip in order for him to be a successful hockey player? Like if you're yeah. going guys coming out of another RFA deal, like, you know, you're, he's going to want big money. Do I really want to pay this guy six and a half, seven and a half, you mean even eight. So I'm sure there's, you know, they're paying $8 million a season when you're only being productive in one situation. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, I think, I think kind of regardless, like, but, you know, like I, I said, you know, like the Rangers, like the Rangers, they haven't played all their cards yet in terms of like as many great, talented players are on, are on the roster right now. Like you still got Kravtsov in the KHL waiting to come over. You still have Nils Longquist in, in Sweden, um, you know, Zach Jones in the NCA. There, there are a few others. Like they have – they have, still have guys waiting to come in with Buffalo. It's like you, everyone who's going to make an impact in the next year or two, like is there right now basically. Um and and so, you know, they they got they got to see if it, if it's there. And I think you know, Ralph Kruger, you know, he can help Jeff Skinner learn whatever lesson he wants. But if you know, if the team's blown up in a year because you know the kind of the pot you know boiled over, so what? Like the lesson was learned for nothing. You know, I, I, I no one no one who was no one for whom that lesson matters is going to be around next year to to learn from it or whatever it is. So I, I think Buffalo, you know if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. And I don't mean just a cup, but, you know, they got to <laughs> compete for a playoff spot, show something that shows that there's an upward trajectory. Um, so I, I just kind of think they're beyond that point where they can you know, start sitting here and like, all right, well, we're going to, you know, teach players lessons and establish a culture and, you know, build for a better future. Like it's, it's now or never, basically. Right. I,
1: Do you, um,
3: I just have one more quick question I wanted to ask you about just because he's not a player that I see this, as like an, a really huge aspect of his game, like a little bit back to Keandre Miller getting his first goal last night. Do you see him at this level, whether or not what he's done when he was in college or not? But do you see him being more of an offensive defenseman mixed in with the fact that he can still play the defensive end of the puck? Or do you think that this is a guy who's gonna completely shine just on the blue line defensively? I I think it's too early to tell him offensively. I obviously we you and I discussed it. He's definitely gonna be a defensive player. Like this is great. But do you think we'll expect yeah. to see a lot of offensive? Uh, out of like a lot of points out of him, or do you think this is going to be more of just kind of a defensive stud?
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because like when we talk about like an offensive defenseman, like the ways in which like, you know, a, a Brent Burns creates offense is very different than the way that a Torrey Cruz creates offense is very different than the way that Adam Fox creates offense. I mean, Ryan McDonough hit 40 points as a Ranger. And like, it's not like he has like this offensive skill set that blows out of the water. I think Keandre can be a point producer, but I think it's, I think he's not going to be a goal creator so much, so much as like someone who, um, his points will be incidental to what he's doing to create Offensive opportunities for other players, and like what I mean by that is, he's going to be a player who the puck is stuck in the Rangers' corner. He's going to win the race to the puck. He's going to skate it out of danger. He's going to start the transition rush, and that's he's going to spring it for the forwards to get involved in the play. And he's just going to you know grab residual assists like that, or he's going to be the third man in you know um, on on the rush. We've seen that already a few times where you know he's created three on twos just because he was able to get up faster than than uh, you know um, the other teams you know back checkers um i don't think he's going to be creating like skilled plays um i don't think he's going to be you know sniping past goaltenders from the faceoff circles i don't think he's gonna be making like these incredible lateral passes across the new you know across the ice i think he will create some offense i think he'll be kind of a secondary offensive contributor in that sense and that he's going to help the rangers push play forward he's going to get the puck out of their end he's going to make sure the puck is in the opposition's end and he's going to create transition rushes for the rangers
3: I think that's huge to what we need to. Cause like we love him or hate him yeah. Dwayne, the New York Rangers right now, uh, and going forward have a lot of speed and a lot of talent as far as offensive weapons go. So if we can get someone to just distribute the puck a little bit from through the neutral zone from the blue line, I think that's going to be really scary. I think he kind of nailed it right on the head. That's basically exactly. Yeah, what I, was and, looking
2: for. I I think also, I think also like, that's all they need. Like if you want right. someone to command the point on the power play to create those passes through layers and, and whatever, like you have Adam Fox, you have, you know Tony D'Angelo when he's on his game. You have Jacob Trouba when he's on his game. Um, you know coming up in this system, there's Jack Zach Jones and and Nils Lundqvist. So they don't need him to be you know the guy who's creating offense from that point. I think they just need him to be able to contribute in that way to you know start the transition rush, join the rush, do his part in the offensive zone to make clean passes and and you know keep the other team honest. I think that's the kind of offense he can provide, and I think you know that's that's really what they need from him.
3: Absolutely. No, I I completely agree. And I think that we're in a position right now with him and the other weapons, like you said, like you can get that out of Adam Fox. And then you just, I just, I just want to see Keandre be consistent. And I think that's what we're going to get out of him. And whatever happens after that, I think is fantastic. But I think right out of the gate, I think as long as he can consistently develop and be, I think he's going to give us something that a lot of teams didn't think we were going to have. And I'm really looking forward to that.
1: And, you know, and you know what, Dom, you know, I know me and you've discussed uh, this sub you know, properly in the group chats too. You know, he does, I think he does have the ability to be that player. Um, I do think uh, he has the ability. Um, I know you mentioned earlier, Adam, that, you know, you know, to be a part of like a leadership group, you know, and just, you know, you see, you see what he went through um, in that Zoom call before the season started being introduced to the fans and, you know, um, you know, you know just, you, just the disgusting show of racism by whomever it is. I don't know if he's been caught yet or not. You know, the FBI was looking into it. Uh, I know they call it, 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 it it's uh, allegedly they're looking into it. Just the disgusting show yeah. of racism and just the, the fact that that young man, and I call him a man, I don't call him a, a kid or a boy because it takes a real man to do what he did to stand and look racism and look just, just you know, be, you know, try, trying to be held down by just some absolute ignorant pig. And, you know, to be able to keep a straight face, continue on with that Zoom call, you know, to really represent the New York Rangers in just such an admirable way and just you know that's why i see i see him the way he held like held himself and the way he was able to you know keep it together there and i just know that kid is going to be you know an absolute stud on the blue line for you guys for years because i was a big fan of him in his draft year i was a big fan of him you know c- coming coming into his rookie season i was really looking forward to see what he's in. he's I, I, he's been absolutely as advertised for me and again just being able to show that how again, African-Americans, you know, just not just in hockey or just really in any sport you're, you know, you're going to face some, some type of racism at some point and literally like staring him right in the face. And it's in a situation where you can't really be verbal about it or recognize it or say, Hey, this is going on. Even though he probably, you know, had every right to, you know, it's, it's like, it's like he was able to keep a straight face, keep a smile at some point later on in that, and just continue on and that's just a great representation of the organization there and the Big Apple.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, if he lost his mind, I wouldn't have blamed him and who could have blamed him because, you know, it was obviously reprehensible and um, it's, you know, disgusting that someone like him has to put up with that, you know, especially in his first, basically his introduction as a Ranger, let alone at any moment in, in his that's career. Cool too. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's reprehensible, um, you know, and it's, <laughs> You know, when we talk about, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but when we talk about like, you know, separating politics and sports and like, oh, like using sports as a distraction from the real world, like very obvious example of Keandre Miller had no choice in the matter. You know, he was confronted with racism right in his face and he had no, you know, ability to say, oh, well, that's, you know. George Floyd and racism in the world like is that's a distraction and that's different from hockey like no that's very much for him as shown there that is hockey for him you know and it's very unfortunate but that's the reality He, you know that he's unfortunately forced to confront every day and you know we should all do our part to um you know join him in that in that you know be allies you know for that kind of thing so that he's not you know he and others like him are not facing that alone and you know they are shown the support not just that we don't like racism but we're going to do our part to combat that and and show that we you know we don't want that in our sport and we're going to do what we can to make sure it's not a part of it so i i give him full credit for um how he handled it i think there are a lot of ways he could have handled it that were less diplomatic and civil that would have been just as justifiable but for sure you can see that um you know he's a player who he he knows what kind of career he wants. He's not gonna let, you know, ignorant assholes um, distract him from becoming, you know, what I think might be not just a great player for the Rangers, but kind of, um, you know, a, a a known name for the team, a face of, the you know, a, a leader in the locker room, a, a, you know, a public facing figure. Um, so, you know, full credit to him for his start to his NHL career, full credit to him for how he, um, you know, and deals with, you know, situations like that that you know a lot of white players in the league and of course the league's majority white that they don't have to worry about if they jump on a zoom call they don't have to worry about being confronted with that kind of thing so so um you know i you know it's 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 got to be tough for him and i'm sure it's not his first experience like that in hockey which is very unfortunate but um i don't doubt he's 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 going to you know he's going to prosper despite idiots like that
1: And you know you brought up a good point separating sports and politics. I mean, you have you brought up Tony D'Angelo earlier. He's had issues doing that himself. And whether you know, you know, and again, there there are players that can get away with that you know, you know, speak in their mind, either on a social media, from a social media standpoint, or just out publicly, you know, if the skill is there, but Tony struggles quite a bit on the ice, you know, in buying into the system that Quinn is running in, in the big apple. And just, you know, and again, it's a lot of it self-inflicted. He doesn't know, you know, when to really shut his mouth and just when to just play <laughs> hockey and, you know, you see something like that happen with Keandre Miller and, you know, obviously we all know D'Angelo's political affiliations. You wonder if he has the full support, of like you know if Kandri Miller has the full support of a guy like D'Angelo, and if that does create waves in the locker room between those two players, I hope not. I really don't. I hope Tony's a smart enough guy to to realize right from wrong, and just yeah, you, know, you hope you know you see the stuff about a burner account uh, this past couple of days, and just just you know it was a fu- it was a fun couple hours for me, you know, just reading some of the stuff. But you know, it, it, you hope that you know a guy like Tony could just you know really you know let hockey be hockey and let politics be politics and don't bring both together anymore, especially for the sake, for a guy like Keandre Miller, who's definitely faced enough in his life to this point.
2: Yeah. And you know, the thing with Tony was, you know, you can say, you know, we can talk about like, Oh, people, people, you know, give him a bad rap because of his politics. Like I can promise you, you know, for better or worse that there are plenty of people who, uh, you know, align more closely with his politics and they do, politics he opposes and yet he's been traded twice uh you know before he even stepped ice on an nhl roster um well that's not fully true he was traded twice you know he had a few games with the coyotes but you know basically before he established himself in the nhl he was already traded twice by nhl teams he's just been you know suspended at the ohl level at the ahl level he's been reprimanded and and benched and, and scratched by multiple coaches you know all over the place um you know his problem is is not just about agreeing with his political views or not he just you know even in, a, in, a, in an environment which skews heavily towards, you know, people who probably think a lot like, and he just can't, um, you know, function in a locker room. He can't pay attention in, in film sessions. He he just doesn't take advice for all from coaches. He, you know, just doesn't really kind of get it from what I've picked up in conversations with people, you know, and that's been people in junior, ho- and junior hockey that has been people as far back as, you know, his days, at, like the Bantam level in, in New Jersey. Um, it's just all over the place. Everyone seems to say the same thing, which is just that he's, you know, he doesn't really get it about listening to coaches about uh, creating, you know, an environment where he's, you know, where uh, he's not a problem for some players in the locker room um, and such, you know, will he ever get it? Well, we'll see. Um, (laughs) But, you know, given the last few weeks, it hasn't exactly been encouraging in that regard.
3: Well, I, we mentioned burner account and I just, I, I thought I'd, at least this is the last thing I got. I'll make you laugh a little bit because I got tweeted by a Rangers burner account the other day. And I tweeted in quotations, good job by Jack Johnson. Sam Rosen has jokes tonight. Hashtag NYR Cause he said that. And I was like, uh, Sam, that's very funny. And a account that's named New York trashers responded. Ha ha ha. And the only two accounts that this account is following is that burner account and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really random. I don't know if Tom Brady and Tony D'Angelo have something weird going on here.
1: I think we found found the Tom Brady burner. account.
3: (laughs) He hates the Rangers secretly.
1: (laughs) But uh, you know, Adam, Adam, I know I really appreciate your time coming on with us. uh, It's been an absolute blast. Um, you know, I love to have you on again. I know Domi uh, has his show on Real Talk. Maybe you two can link up sometime. You can come on his spot. Obviously, a lot more positive Ranger talk, I'm sure there. Even though I don't think we really, we really trashed the Rangers today at all. You know, you know,
3: self-deprecation.
1: I, I, I'm excited to see where they go. I like that team. I like what they have. Like I said, I was excited to see you guys get Lafreniere, considering all the other options after Buffalo's name was called at eight. Um, you know, I just, I was, I'm excited to see what, what lies ahead for you guys after we're no longer in the same division. No. yeah i, I think I, I think i think i think like
2: even if things went really poorly for the rangers as long as it's not just like comically awful i think even the worst case scenario like they're still in a pretty good position long term there's just too much young talent in the organization um you know that they're still pretty well positioned no matter what happens this season um so you know i don't i don't think you have to be blindly optimistic about what's going on but like i you know the, the sky is falling, you know, mentality that there in a lot of places right now because of a few losses in a season that no one was really expecting much from anyway, I think it's a bit much for me. So I think there are a lot of, con- I think there are concerns about, you know, both right now, this season and also long-term, but I think no matter what, you have to feel pretty good about the direction of the team.
3: Yeah. We're, we're definitely in the same boat. It could totally be worse.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you know, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I, honest to God, there are a lot of other organizations that are in much worse shape than you guys. And, that don't have as bright of a future as you guys. So I'm definitely excited to see, just do me a favor. Whenever you play the Islanders, make sure you guys shit all over the Islanders. That's all I ask. Um, just so I have some, some, some more, some, some, more, some more smack to talk in our group chat with our, our buddy, Dewey Crocs uh, uh, cats, as we like to call him, because he's a huge Islanders fan and we just love shitting on him as often as, as often as we can. So um, in my terrible, terrible, terrible fake Long Island accent. Um, with that by inside everybody this has been episode 48 of two Goalies on Mike. thanks for tuning in and remember that if you are thirsty during the game get over to 700 military road to froth brewery get yourself some liquid lollipop i actually uh right before the show i started drinking my favorite flavor raspberry banana marshmallow it was absolutely delicious a smoothie in a can that's froth brewing company at 700 military road in Buffalo, new york Thanks again. We'll talk to you next
0: week. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. These vagabond shoes. little town blues are melting away. I'll make a brand new start of it in old New York. If I can make it there, I'll make it. City that never sleeps. It's up to you No